Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Well, hello, everyone. I am back. We are back. My family and I, we went on a little bit of a vacation to go and visit some more family on the coast, and it was it was awesome, like total rest. We went to go see my parents, and every time we are with them, man, they're the kind of people that when you're around them, they're just so life-giving. And uh, mom, dad, if you're listening right now, thank you for that time. Thank you for opening up your home. We really do feel well-rested. And man, don't we all want to be people like that? People who are life-giving instead of like life suckers. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago with Judas. I just imagine that guy was probably a life sucker. Um, I got to spend some time with some life givers. My gosh. Uh, so thank you, mom and dad. Love you guys. But we are back. Uh, we sort of dodged the smoke. We couldn't really tell what was beach haze and what was the smoke. So ignorance is bliss. Um, but man, I'm so glad to be through that. Hopefully we are through it, through it. And these fires stay put out. It's been nice to have some cooler weather. Hopefully you are all well. Just to give you a little bit of a refresher, uh, we are in John chapter 12. We saw before that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. There was some time between that miracle and uh, when Jesus is back at um, hanging out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus at a guy by the name of Simon's house, Simon the leper, and there was this awesome dinner party, right? And then as we enter into this week of the Passover, the week when the week leading up to Jesus dying, uh, we talked about the Passover and what that actually means and how it's very significant that Jesus, um, the Passover was all about this spotless lamb that you would take, um, just like in the Old Testament that they took this lamb uh, and they killed it and they spread its blood upon the doorpost so that the angel of death or, or actually it says that God would pass over and wouldn't take the life of the firstborn in your home. It was one of the plagues of that that was over Egypt in in the Exodus story, right? So now we have um, Jesus stepping in after they've had years and years of these laws where where basically you would take these animals and you would sacrifice them. Uh, to atone for your sins and to atone for the sins of Israel so that they could come in some form of contact with God and they could worship him and live for him. Now Jesus is stepping into that role that not just Israel would be able to come close to God um, be because of his glory. We, we can't, when we're sinful and God is perfect, we can't come close to God because that would taint his presence But Jesus is coming to be that spotless lamb that his blood would atone for our sins and we would be able to draw near to God and have relationship with him, what we were created for, what we were intended for. So we talked about the Passover and now Jesus rides in in what's called the triumphal entry. And we talked about how he rode in on a donkey. So the posture in which Jesus would come in and defeat sin and death was on a donkey which signified he was coming in peace and not in war. 
And the posture of our hearts as we enter into public spaces and and we bring the message of Jesus, we need to go in a posture of peace. So now we're here at this point. We're in verse 20 today. And it says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, which, which points out to us that there were those even outside of Judaism, outside of Israel, uh, who went to worship God, who had some sort of um, reason to go or had heard the stories of the one true God and went to worship as well. I love that. I think that's really great. So in verse 21, it says, so these, these Greeks came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So we we have these Greeks who are seeking Jesus. So they go to Philip. And then Philip goes to Andrew, which Andrew is well known for introducing people to Jesus. He's like the guy who can get you a meeting, right? But they make this statement. They say this to Philip. They say, sir, we wish to see Jesus. And we're going to hang on this statement for a moment because this statement is very, very, very famous in that most pulpits, like old school pulpits, that. I shouldn't say most, I, I don't know for sure, but there are a lot of the famous old school pulpits that have this etched in them. Or you might enter into a church and and if you ever get the opportunity to preach or teach there, if you're a preacher or a teacher or, or hey, just get up on stage and look around, you might see this statement in the view of the preacher um, or those who give the sermon, but maybe not necessarily in the view of the congregation. And what this is used for is to remind the preacher, the teacher, the one who is giving the word um, from the word of the Lord to the congregation, is it's to remind them why they're there. That they're not there to give you all sorts of wise words and and to speak to you in elo- eloquent speech as Paul says in one of uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians he says I'm not here to give give my words of wisdom or my opinion or any of these things I am here to bring you Christ and Christ crucified nothing more nothing more than that I'm not here to draw your attention to me but to bring your attention to Christ. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And so it's it's this famous statement for those who preach and teach and this reminder. And there have been times in 
uh, my life uh, with Encounter, uh, the young adults community. Hey, everybody out there who's listening from Encounter, um, that I'm entrusted with leading. Uh, We've throughout the years had a teaching team meeting because we're all about Hey, if you feel like this might be your gifting to teach and to preach the word of God, let's let's cultivate that gift. And what I say in in a in those meetings is, hey, we're here to reveal what this text says about God. Not to tell people what to do, but to show people who he is. And it's in the same um, vain is this statement or this reminder that's etched in pulpits or etched in walls where the preacher can see. It's a reminder that we are here, those of us who are preachers and teachers of the word of God, um, to introduce people to Jesus. And if the message that we are giving is not centered around Christ and the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done to reconcile us to God, then what the heck are we doing up there? But this also pertains to those of us who maybe aren't feeling necessarily called to preach in front of people. That comes in many different ways. Maybe you're called to to sit down with people. Maybe Jesus is asking you, God is asking you through your through his spirit to sit down with people in a Bible study, maybe one-on-one, maybe a few people to sit down and go through the word of God to talk about what the things that you're discovering through this. Is it centered around Jesus or is it centered around um, maybe some, some way of living or, or some food for thought or whatever it may be is, are we encouraging one another to see Jesus in the text or are we looking for a self at the Bible as a self-help book? And that's really the most plain way that I can say it. Are we looking for Jesus? Are we discovering who he is in the text? Or are we looking for a way to live? I, th- I think the crucial thing here, and we're going to see this later on in John, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we get it twisted. Where we're looking for a way, but he is the way. He is the way the truth, and the life. So when we when we dig into scripture, whether we're a, a teacher or a preacher giving a message that maybe steers away from the person of Jesus and the gospel, um, or maybe we're, we're giving a false image of who Jesus is as a follower of Christ, we're, we're getting the whole purpose of life um, twisted up. And I think this is a good reminder, whether we're a preacher or a teacher, or we're just a follower of Jesus, that this is what life is about now, now that we follow Christ, is that people would see Christ in you, that you would be a representation of who he is, that you would would show the world, that you would be like a lighthouse to show the world who Jesus is. When we give premarital counseling, my wife and I, we lean into that first and foremost. Like you, you as a husband and a wife are, are, are entering into this mission field that through your relationship, you would show the world how much Jesus loves his church. And Paul gives that image in like Ephesians 5 and, and really in other places throughout the New Testament 
But that's the main goal as, as a follower of Jesus as well, that we would be ambassadors of him and ambassadors of his ambassadors of his image, that we would show the world who Christ is. I'm going to flip here real quick. I think it's 2 Corinthians 3. Give me just a moment here. So 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. It says this, and you know what? Maybe we'll close on this today because I want us to think about this a little bit. It says, and we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord. And, and next episode, we'll get into the glory of God. Um, the suffering of Christ as well as the glory of God, but it, it says, and we all with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord. So we're looking at him. We're experiencing his glory. We're seeing who he is, right? And Jesus, it says, is the exact representation of the father. He's like the radiance of God, right? Uh, as we, as we see in the new Testament. And we all, like Hebrews 1, I think is where I'm getting that from. Uh, He is the radiance of God. And we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So as we look at Jesus, as we look into the text, as we look into the word of God and we discover who Jesus is, as we're centered, our our minds and our hearts are in a place where we're just looking for Christ, whether we're giving the message or receiving the message, that we're looking for Jesus in it. We're not looking for five steps to a better life. We're looking for Jesus in it. And we all with unveiled faces, behold, the glory of God are being transformed into the image, the same image from one degree of glory to another. As we gaze upon the glory of God, as we look at who he is, we are transformed into his likeness. This is incredible that as we look at God, we are transformed into the same image. And I love how it says the same image from one degree of glory to another, because we we go back to Genesis and it says, let us make man in our image, that that is what we were created for, to be his image bearers, right? To bear his image on the in the world. So how do we bear his image? by looking at him, by gazing upon his glory. And we are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We become an image of his glory. This is the opportunity we have as Christ followers. It goes on to say, for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So the spirit of God is deeply entrenched in this process. Like the spirit of God is doing this work in us as we gaze upon him, as we gaze upon his glory. So we see the entirety of the Trinity here, that the glory of God, that as we look at Jesus, as 
as God the Father's representation and the one who God the Father wills this rescue plan from Jesus, through Jesus, that Jesus would come and be the spotless lamb and atone for our sins, right? He'd go up on the cross when we were the least deserving of rescuing. He rescues us anyway, displaying the glory of his love. And because of that, then his spirit comes inside of us. And as we gaze at the glory of of Jesus and the glory of the gospel, we become transformed. And it goes full circle back to Genesis. It brings us back into the garden. It brings us back into the purpose we were created for, that we would bear his image here on the earth. That is epic. Is it not? And so this week, I want us to ponder this. I want us to think about this. Do, does my life, does my life display Jesus? Does my life display who Christ is? And, and if it doesn't, like if, if you get like really overwhelmed by that, please don't. But what I would ask you to do is ask the Spirit of God to come and to shape you into his likeness. But here's the key. Here's the key. If you're not doing it already, you have to open up the Word of God. You have to open up the Bible. And you have to read who he is and discover who he is. And on these pages, we we see not a user manual for life, but we see this beautiful painting through the words that have been written of who God is. It's amazing. It's remarkable that when we read these words and we discover who Jesus is, that his spirit comes in and he leads us so, so graciously, so mercifully into the reason why he created us to begin with. It's so amazing. Let's open up the word of God this week and discover who Jesus is. Let's do that. And let's be led by his spirit to become bearers of his image here on earth, to bring his love, to bring his power, and to bring his glory. And with him, usher in the kingdom of God. I love you guys. We'll talk again next week. Have a great week. Uh, Looking forward to it.